The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. To truly understand the crisis of modernism, you must understand what modernism is. Hence why I've been presenting the papal encyclical Pascendi Dominici Gregis by Pope St. Pius X, which was his refutation of the heresy of modernism, as well as where he condemned it, and laid the groundwork for later work that he would do to try to end the scourge of modernism within the church. He bought the church several decades to deal with the problem, but of course the problem eventually came and manifested itself fully at Vatican II. But if you want to know the understand modernism, you need to understand why Pope St. Pius X calls it the synthesis of all heresies. Synthesis meaning combination, in, in the most simplest terms, of all heresies. Now think about that for a moment, because that is key to understanding what we're talking about. And so to that end, I'm going to return now to something that I had been presenting before Christmas on or from St. Alphonsus Liguori, his seminal work on the refutation of heresies. It's a long work. We're going to go through this slowly over the next many months, <laughs> once or twice a month. So, St. Alphonsus Liguori on the heresies of the first century. Simon Magus, the first heretic who disturbed the church, was born in part of Samaria called Githan or Githis. It was called Magus, or the magician, because he made use of spells to deceive the multitude. And hence he acquired among his countrymen the extraordinary name of the great power of God. See Acts chapter 8, verse 10. This man is the power of God, which is called great. Seeing though that those on whom the apostles Peter and John laid hands received the Holy Ghost, he offered them money to give him the power of communicating the Holy Ghost in like manner. And on that account, the detestable crime of selling holy things is called simony. He went to Rome, and there was a statue built to him in that city, a fact that St. Justin in his first apology flings in the face of the Romans. In a royal city, he says, he, Simon, was esteemed a god, and a statue was built to him in the island of Tiber, between the two bridges bearing this Latin inscription, Simone Deo Sancto. Samuel Basnage, Patavius, Velasius, and many others deny this fact, but Tillamont, Grotius, Fleury, and Cardinal Orsi defend it, and adduce in favor of it, the authority of Tertullian, St. Irenaeus, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, St. Augustine, Eusebius, and Theodoret. Weaven says the statue has was a bronze one. Simon broached many errors, which Noel Alexander enumerates and refutes. The principal ones were that the world was created by angels, that when the soul leaves the body, it enters unto another body, which, if true, says St. Irenaeus, it would recollect all that happened when it inhabited the former body, for memory being a spiritual quality, it could not be separated from the soul. Another of his errors was one which had been brought to light by the heretics of our own day, that man had no free will, and consequently the good works are not necessary for salvation. Baronius and Fleury relate that by force of magic spells, 
he one day caused the devil to elevate him in the air. But St. Peter and St. Paul being present and invoking the name of Jesus Christ, he fell down and broke both his legs. He was carried away by his friends, but his corporeal and mental sufferings preyed so much on him that in despair he cast himself out of a high window, and thus perished the first heretic who ever disturbed the church of Christ. Osnage, who endeavors to prove that St. Peter never was in Rome and never filled the pontifical chair of that city, says that this is all a fabrication. But we have the testimony of St. Ambrose, St. Isidore of Pelusium, St. Augustine, St. Maximus, St. Philistrius, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, Severus of Sulpicius, Theodora, and many others in our favor. We have besides a passage in Suetonius which corroborates their testimony. For he says that while Nero assisted at the public sports, a man endeavored to fly, but after elevating himself for a while, he fell down, and the emperor's pavilion was sprinkled with. He fell down, and the emperor's pavilion was sprinkled with what was left. Meander was a Samaritan likewise, and a disciple of Simon Magus. He made his appearance in the year of our Lord seventy-three. He announced himself a messenger from the unknown power for the salvation of mankind. No one, according to him, could be saved unless he was baptized in his name. And his baptism, he said, was the true resurrection, so that his disciples would enjoy immortality even in this life. Cardinal Orsi adds that Menander was the first who invented the doctrine of aeons, and that he taught that Jesus Christ exercised human functions in appearance alone. Serinthus was the next after Menander, but he began to broach his doctrine in the same year. His errors can be reduced to four heads. He denied that God was the creator of the world. He asserted that the law of Moses was necessary for salvation. He also taught that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ would establish a terrestrial kingdom in Jerusalem, where they would spend a thousand years in the enjoyment of every sensual pleasure. Finally, he denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. The account Bernini gives of his passing is singular. The apostle St. John, he says, met him going into a bath. When turning to those along with him, he said, Let us hasten out of this, lest we end up buried. And they had scarcely gone outside when the whole building fell with a sudden crash. And the unfortunate Serenthus was overwhelmed in the ruins. One of the impious doctrines of this heretic was that Jesus was a mere man, born as all other men are, and that when he was baptized in the River Jordan, Christ descended on him, that is, a virtue or power, in the form of a dove, or a spirit sent by God to fill him with knowledge and communicate it to mankind. But after Jesus had fulfilled his mission, by instructing mankind and working miracles, he was deserted by Christ, who returned to heaven and left him to darkness and death. Alas, what impiety man fall into when they desert the light of faith, and follow their own weak imaginations. Ebion pride himself into being a disciple of St. Peter, and could not even bear to hear St. Paul's name mentioned. He admitted the sacrament of baptism, but in the consecration of the Eucharist he used nothing but water in the chalice. He, however, consecrated the host in unleavened bread, and Eusebius says he performed this every Sunday. According to St. Jerome, the baptism of the Ebionites was admitted by the Catholics. He endeavored to unite the Mosaic and Christian law and admitted no part of the New Testament, unless the Gospel of St. Matthew, and even that uh, rendered, as he left out two chapters and altered the others in many places. The ancient writers say that St. John wrote his Gospel to refute the errors of Ebion. The most impious of his blasphemies was that Jesus Christ was the son of Joseph and Mary, born as the rest of men are, that he was but a mere man, but that on account of his great virtue, the Almighty adopted him as his son. Saturninius and Basilides were disciples of Menander, whose history we have already seen, and they made some additions to the heresy of their master. Saturninus, a native of Antioch, taught with Menander, as Fleury tells us, that there was only one father, unknown to all, who created the angels, and that seven angels created the world and man. The god of our elder brothers, he said, was one of those rebellious angels, and it was to destroy him that Christ appeared in the form of man, 
though he never had a real body. He condemned matrimony and procreation as an invention of the devil. He attributed the prophecies partly to the angels, partly to the devil, and partly to the god of our elder brothers. He also said, according to St. Augustine, that the supreme virtue, that is, the sovereign father, having created the angels, seven of them rebelled against him, created man, and for this reason. Seeing a celestial light, they wished to retain it, but vanished from them. And they then created man to resemble it, saying, Let us make man to the image and likeness. Man being thus created was like a mere worm, incapable of doing anything, till the sovereign virtue, pitying this image, placed in him a spark of himself, and gave him life. This is the spark which at the dis dissolution of the body flies to the heavens. Those of his sect alone, he said, had this spark. All others were deprived of it, and consequently were reprobate. Basilides, according to Fleury, was a native of Alexandria, and even exceeded Saturninus in fanaticism. He said that the father whom he called Abrasax produced nous, that is, intelligence, who produced logos, or the word. The word produced phrenosis, that is, prudence, and prudence, sophia, and dunanus, that is, wisdom and power. These created the angels who formed the first heaven and the other angels, and these in their turn produced a second heaven, and so on. So there were 365 heavens produced according to the number of days in the year. The God of our elder brothers, he said, was the head of the second order of angels. And because he wished to rule all the nations, the other princes rose up against him. And on that account God sent his firstborn, Noos, to free mankind from the dominion of the angels who created the world. This Noos, who, according to him, was Jesus Christ, was an incorporeal virtue, who put on whatever form pleased him. Hence, when our elder brothers wished to crucify him, he took the form of Simon the Cyrenian and gave his form to Simon, so that it was Simon and not Jesus was who, who ended on the cross. Jesus at the same time was laughing at the folly of our elder brothers, and afterwards ascended invisibly to heaven. On that account he said we should not venerate the crucifix, otherwise we would incur the danger of being subject to the angels who created the world. He broached many other errors, but these are sufficient to show his fanaticism and impiety. Both Saturninus and Basilides fled from martyrdom and always cloaked their faith with this maxim, No others but let no one know you. Cardinal Orsi says they practiced magic and were, were subjected in servitude to every species of incontinence, that they were careful in avoiding observation. They promulgated their doctrines before Menander in the year 125, but because they were disciples of his, we have mentioned them after him. The Nicolaites ad admitted to engaging in acts suitable to the married state with quite a few people they were not married to, and also the use of meats offered to idols. They also said that the Father of Jesus Christ was not the creator of the world. Among the other foolish doctrines they held was one. The darkness, united with the Holy Ghost, produced a matrix, or womb, which brought forth aeons, that from these four aeons sprung the evil aeon who created the gods, the angels, men, and seven demoniacal spirits. This heresy was of short duration, but of some but some new Nicolaites sprung up afterwards in the Milanese territory that were condemned by Pope Nicholas II. The Nicolaites called themselves disciples of Nicholas the Deacon, who, according to Noel Alexander, was esteemed a heresiarch by St. Eusebius, St. Hilarion, and St. Jerome. However, Clement of Alexandria, Eusebius, Theodoret, Baronius, St. Ignatius the Martyr, Orsi, St. Augustine, Fleury, and Berti acquit him of this charge. That was a brief look at the history of heresies from the first century. There, I was, I'm reminded reading that of one heresy in particular, and that's of uh, the modern evangelicals. I saw a poll recently that, went, that was being shared widely on Facebook in a lot of Catholic, private Catholic groups that said 73% of American evangelicals today that 
believe that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, was the first created being, that God created Jesus. That is a heresy. 73% of evangelicals believe that. You are not even a Christian if you believe that. So, it is what it is. There is, of course, some aspects of that heresy in modernism, although to a much lesser degree. Remember, most modernists are true believers and can regurgitate what the church professes to the letter. And I say regurgitate because that's all they're really doing. They profess outwardly, but they don't believe it. But they know how to make it look like they believe it. Because they know deep inside that they are engaged in an attempt to overturn the church and replace it with something new. While still having it bear the name Catholic. For all the reasons that you would expect political actors to do such things. Anyway, let me know what you thought of that in the comments. And I'll be bringing you the next installment of that. Hopefully before the end of January. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.